And lo and behold, Imelda would run for president for the 1992 elections. No? Talagang uh, saan ka humuhugot ng kapal ng muka, ng tapang, diba? Kakaiba siya eh, no? Na parang kakatapos lang eh, diba? Feeling niya siguro, ano eh, kaya niyang makakuha ng sympathy after the death yeah, of Marcos. Kasi syempre, marami pang mga ano nun eh. May mga loyalista pa rin nun eh, diba? May mga naiiyak-iyak. <laughs> But of course, itong si Imelda, sa, sa imagination yung nanalo siya. Kasi ang totoong nangyari, inatalo siya. Wala kaming human rights violation dito sa Pilipinas. There was no Filipino that was executed during the martial law period even if he was convicted with 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 murder or or convicted for a death sentence walang pilipino that's what martial law can be proud about it was a a compassionate society it was a benevolent leadership oh pack big words no you just heard Imelda Romualdez Marcos ang topic ng third episode natin this season no ako si Aaron grabe parang Too stunned pa ako to speak. Charot lang. I am Vekal Porha. I am Lee Candelaria. And this is Bro Ebro. And you are listening to podcast Conversations in Philippine History, Politics, and Society. Okay, so third episode na tayo ng ating sixth season na Shakers and Shapers, Personalities of Martial Law. At kung last week pinag-usapan natin ang arguably main shaper and shaker nung martial law period na si Ferdinand Marcos, Ngayon naman, topic natin ng kanyang asawa na si Madam Imelda. And Imelda Romualdez Marcos was a very important personality of martial law. To think na in our Philippine political history, presidential spouses don't usually play key roles in government, di ba? Yeah, tama. Na. So actually, di ba nga, when, when we talk about presidential spouses, actually kahit first ladies na lang, no other name perhaps would immediately come to mind other than Imelda Marcos. No? Kayo ba, di ba? May naaalala ba kayong pangalan man lang ng ibang presidential spouses? Yeah, totoo. Bukod kay Mike Arroyo, kasi medyo matagal din yung GMA presidency, di ba? Tsaka he's the only, well, he's the first gentleman at least na buhay. <laughs> Pero Imelda talaga yeah. was able to carve her own space in Philippine history. At yung kasikatan ngang ito ni Madam Imelda ay umabot rin sa ibang bansa. Sobrang global yung reach niya to a point na may term pa na Imeldific na ginagamit to describe certain level of extravagance. Hindi nga lang extravagance, talagang overt opulence na nakakagulat So, sino ba si Imelda Romualdez Marcos at bakit siya shaper and shaker ng martial period ng Pilipinas? Simulan natin after this short break. The woman who would be called Steel Butterfly, Iron Butterfly, or The Other President was born July 2, 1929 sa Maynila. She is of Leyte origin and known in the province in her younger years as the Rose of Tacloban. Noong nanalo siya sa isang local beauty pageant noong 1949. Sa Tacloban din siya nag-aral at nagtapos sa St. Paul College noong 1952. 
So, The Rose of Tacloban. Talagang napaka-up nito, ano, hanggang later, hanggang later in life ni Imelda Marcos. Kasi, kahit ano sabihin natin, talagang kailangan natin i-concede na maganda talaga si Madam. Mm, diba? Totoo Amin yan. natin yan. Wala lang nakamana. <laughs> <laughs> Pero yun nga, like a rose, talagang matinik din siya. At maganda talaga tong si Imelda. In the 1950s nga, she was named Muse of Manila at lumabas sa mga dyaryo yung mukha niya. And this caught the eyes of many of Manila's social elite and political figures. At isa nga dyan ay si Ferdinand Marcos Sr. They met in 1954 na noon ay congressman pa lamang si Marcos Sr. And supposedly, after a couple of weeks of courtship, nagpakasal na agad sila. They had three children. Aimee was born 1955, currently senator. Bongbong born 1957, the current president. And Irene, born 1960. Yeah, at ayan ngang pagkikita na yan at pagpapakasal ni Ferdinand at Imelda ang simula ng kanilang very successful na political career together. No? Sabi nga, di ba, uh, napaka-strategic din ng union na yan dahil uh, Ferdinand could take hold of the what would later be called the Solid North and Imelda would gather the Visayas. No? Dahil Imelda Romualdez also hailed from a political clan in Leyte na hanggang ngayon, nandyan pa rin. And it was indeed a very successful strategy to the point nga na naging pivotal rin ang papel ni Imelda sa eventual presidency ni Ferdinand Marcos Sr. Kaya nga, the other president, yung tawag din sa kanya. And Imelda would play uh, a very important role. So imagine... She would even be sent as an envoy to diplomatic missions abroad, including to China and to the Soviet Union. At ito ay height ng Cold War, ha? And, of course, during that time, the Philippines was a very strong U.S. ally. So crucial yung diplomatic balancing noon. And pinadala rin siya sa Middle East. So ito yung mga strategic countries na Imelda would play a very strategic role then, no? a very important role. So, ganoon ka-encompassing yung naging papel niya sa government ni Marcos. But wait, there's more. Kasi even in national government, nagkaroon din ng papel si Imelda. Naging governor siya ng Metro Manila at Minister of Human Settlements and Ecology from 1975 to 1986. There are even claims no, of uh, even nung... nung tinatatag na or binubuo na ni, ni Ferdinand Marcos yung plano niya ng martial law nung nagkaroon ng constitutional convention. Napaka-critical rin ng role ni Imelda doon kasi there were claims no, na siya yung isa doon sa mga nangunguna sa uh, pagbabribe doon sa mga uh, delegates noong kon-kon uh, noong panahon na yun. So malinaw na talagang she really wanted to take on key roles during her husband's rule. Ito nga yung ilang words niya. Pakinggan natin. I remember when he became president, I asked him, now Ferdinand that you are president, this was in 65, uh, what's my role as your first lady? And he said, you as first lady and mother of the country, he said, while I, Ferdinand, the father, build the house, you make it a home. And uh, so I had to reflect what makes a home. Love. What is love when made real? Beauty. Oh, diba? The quote uh, will perhaps be my forever favorite quote 
uh, our, our words uttered uh, by the one and only Imelda Romualdez Marcos. Kasi di ba, it reveals also so much. Eh. Ito, yung, di ba, yung sinabi niya na, what is love when made real? Di ba? Beauty. No? So, may ganun siyang mga views na, na sinasabi. No? So, yung, nandun yung, yung mindset niya, yung justifications niya ng role niya. At, kung baga yung yung rationalization niya sa mga nangyayari. Saka makikita mo ano na talagang meron ding semblance ng kumbaga talino, meron siyang ganung cognitive capacity so to speak. However twisted it became later on, 'di ba? So sa mind niya she was doing this for the country. Totoo yan. And even though early pa lang sa kanyang career, may mga ganyan na talaga siyang visions. Sabi nga ng ilang biographers niya, major turning point sa kanilang married life ni Marcos Sr. ay nangyari noong 1970. At yon ay dahil sa Davi Beam scandal. Yeah, tama. At uh, yan ay first quarter storm na rin, no? Maraming mga protesta na ang inidulunsad laban kay Marcos. So, sobrang damaging ng scandal na yan. So, yung Davi Beam's affair, just to refresh our memory, ano, ay ito yung supposed affair na nangyari between Ferdinand Marcos and this Hollywood actress or maybe starlet na si Dovey Beams na nandito sa Pilipinas noon to shoot a film about the heroism of Marcos during World War II. So supposedly, natunugan ito ni Imelda. At sobrang laking iskandalo kasi may tapes ng supposedly ay yun nga, intimate affairs ni Dovey Beams with the president. Tapos yung tapes na leak. So imagine, no, in an era na wala, wala, wala pa yung mga sex videos, sex scandals, may sex tape ang presidente. So imagine the impact. Di ba nga nagka, nagka-copya daw ang DZUP ng UP Diliman nung mga panahon na to at pinlay nila sa campus nung Diliman Commune nung 1971. So talagang nakakaloka. Yeah. On air, diba? Pinplay yung, yung supposedly recording ng kanilang lambingan. <laughs> no? So, Uh, yan yung isang critical moment daw talaga sa buhay ni, ni Imelda. Kasi after niyan ay nakita na she wanted to show that she is not someone to mess with. no At noon ngang i-declare ang martial law, nakita natin how she took up her space sa social and political scene. Diyan na rin lalabas yung mga phrases na the other president. Yung mga ganyan. And we can say na talagang totoo yung sinabi ni Primitivo Mijares sa kanyang libro na conjugal dictatorship na talaga namang conjugal dictatorship ang naganap. Hindi lang si Marcos Sr. kasama rin si Imelda kasi meron naman talaga siyang national and international powers. Especially nung panahong yan. Mm. I mean, hanggang ngayon, kung taga-cusika, di ba, makikita mo yung impact rin ni Madam Imelda, yung mga specialist hospitals na tinatawag ding uh, BOPIS, no? yung BOPIS Center, <laughs> no? Lung Center, Heart Center, Kidney Institute. So supposedly, mga projects niya yung mga yan. Uh, yung hindi lang daw dyan naipatupad ay yung Brain Institute. No? Pero sakop din, di ba yun? Mm. Wala daw kasing brains. <laughs> Pero mahaligang organ din sana, no? Pero, kasi it's important to keep us alive. Pero, yeah. Yung BOPIS lang yung natuloy. <laughs> hindi naging sisig. <laughs> Oo. <laughs> Dinaktakan. <laughs> At kung matatandaan rin natin, siya rin yung in-charge dun sa Nutriban na pinamimigay para sa mga nutrition projects noon. Na by the way, galing sa US. 
na unfortunately ay ginamit nila uh, para sa kanilang propaganda. Mm-hmm. Hindi naman nila project pero diba, nagkaroon ng malaking pagkiklaim diba, na hanggang ngayon doon sa martial law nostalgia sinasite yung Nutriban na yan. Diba? So, Imelda would also hold other key positions like, like nung Uh, bukod dun sa pagiging governor niya ng Metropolitan Manila, no later on na-elect din siya sa interim batasang pambansa, no at ni-represent niya rin yung yung Metro Manila. And she was also a patron of the arts. Nagpatayo siya ng mga teatro at mga cultural centers like the Folk Arts Theater, PICC, na yung Pilipino, CCP, yung mga yan. So extreme nga lang yung inabot kasi di ba yung usapan na sa pagmamadali na matapos yung Manila Film Center nagkaroon ng malaking aksidente sa construction tapos nilibing na lang doon at tinabunan ng semento yung mga construction workers na naging biktima ng nasabing pagguho kasi nga um, at the time hinahabol nila yung deadline para umabot sa Manila International Film Festival mm-hmm. di ba nga naalala ko sa isang documentary ba yon yung sinabi ni Ben Cervantes na parang parang may pharaoh music daw na maririnig sa background kasi para talagang it was as if um, slavery was being used to build the pyramids parang ganung level uh, basa pa yung yung cemento sa, sa tuktok eh nag nag-collapse yung yung ceiling at merong nabaon na ilang tao doon pero hindi totoo na meron kaming iniwan na patay doon yan naman Dios ang may alam miski natin hukayin Piece by piece, stone by stone, jan ni isang buto ng tao wala dyan na iwan. Totoo yan. I will never do that. Perhaps wala nang mas kilalang trait si Imelda, in spite of her role in government ng martial law, bukod sa world-renowned opulence of the life that she led. Imeldific nga yung tulad ng sinabi natin kanina. Yeah, totoo. No? So, Her infamous shoe collection, for example, has been world-renowned, diba? She supposedly would not only indulge in shoes, but in so many other luxury items. Sa mga nasequester nga ng mga nakaw na yaman ng pamilyang Marcos, mula nang itinatag ang PCGG or yung Presidential Commission on Good Governance after ng martial law, talagang napakarami ang nakuhang expensive paintings, jewelry, at iba pa. May mga kwento pa nga noon na she would have an airplane turnaround and go back to Italy kasi nakalimutan niya lang bumili ng cheese o keso. <laughs> si Raul. <laughs> At syempre, yung nakinabang dito ay yung kanyang pamilya. In fact, nung kasal ni Irene Marcos, gumasto sila supposedly ng 1 million US dollars para ipa-renovate yung isang simbahan sa Ilocos. Tapos a few days after, nasira lang ng lindol. <laughs> so, tas, of course, you know, Bongbong Marcos sa in the UK, hindi natapos, and all of their properties abroad at mga supposed bank accounts ay hindi pa lahat accounted for. In many respects, actually, kung meron mga example ng lavish life ng martial law, talagang it's, it's the Marcos family. No? Lalo na si Imelda. Siya yung mukha nito eh. Correct. No? So, But as, but as we all know, no, martial law would eventually collapse and the reign of the Marcoses would end after people power, after the people power revolution. No? So, but of course, again, as we all know, that did not mean the end of Imelda Marcos. Marcos. 
So when Marcos' regime was toppled, the family was taken to the U.S. here in Hawaii. And Imelda would become a widow in 1989. In 1991, Cory Aquino allowed the Marcos family to return to the Philippines. And lo and behold, Imelda would run for president for the 1992 elections. No, talagang uh, saan ka humuhugot ng kapalang muka, ng tapang, di ba? Kakaiba siya eh, no? Na parang kakatapos lang eh, di ba? Feeling niya siguro, ano eh, kaya niyang makakuha ng sympathy after the death of Marcos. Kasi syempre marami pang mga ano nun eh. Uh, may mga loyalista pa rin nun eh, di ba? Parang si Elizabeth Oropesa. Umaga. <laughs> <laughs> na mga na mga But of course, uh, um itong si Imelda, sa, sa imagination niya nanalo siya kasi oh ang totoong nangyari inatalo siya, no? And she lost while Yeah. No, natalo siya kay Fidel Ramos, 'di ba? No. So but actually yung pagtakbo na yun ni Imelda, no, in many ways, it it's actually like a signal, no, na gusto talaga nilang bumalik sa kapangyarihan, no? And in 1995, Imelda would be successful in securing a congressional seat representing Leyte, no? Yung kanyang home province, no? So, hindi siya nagpare-elect noong 1998 elections, but she would eventually run again for Congress, this time uh, sa Ilocos, no? So, to replace Bongbong Marcos noong 2010 na tumakbo naman na pagkasenador at Nanalo. So the road to political recovery ng mga Marcoses ay talaga nagsimula nung pinayagad silang bumalik sa Pilipinas. Pero syempre, hindi naman ibig sabihin nun na nawala na yung patong-patong na kaso na isinampa sa kanila. Totoo. In fact, noong 1995, sa Court District of Hawaii, ay nag-rule sila against the Marcoses, ordering them to pay damages um, to human rights violations victims nung panahon ng diktaturya. Uh, napakarami pa niyang nakabinakaso sa mga korte sa Pilipinas. And actually, she had been convicted, but of course, she was never sent to jail. And now the family is back in Malacanang with Bongbong as president, no? which uh, in many ways ay tragic, lalo na siguro para sa mga naka-survive ng martial law, yung mga na-torture, at lumaban sa diktadurya na nananatiling buhay ngayon for them to see all of this. Ang nakakalungkot din dito, no, kasi maraming sources available, eh, and madali lang sana para sa atin na intindihin na may corruption. And yung opulence na meron yung mga Marcoses during the martial law ay talagang totoo at nangyari. Pero... Dahil sa disinformation, also caused by the so-called nostalgia of a golden age, parang nalimot na natin no? at hindi natin matanggap na naloko tayo. And not only that, ano, yung usapin rin talaga ng justice pagdating sa pag-enforce ng convictions laban kay Imelda at sa buo niyang pamilya ay nakakalungkot. Lalo na pag nakikita natin how harsh the police could be pagdating sa mga may hirap na supposedly nag-violate ng mga batas or nag-commit ng mga krimen. Pero pagdating sa mga malalaking pangalan kagaya nila, they could really get away with murder, corruption, and graft. Yeah, di ba? So, malungkot man yung, yung ganyang reality na hinaharap natin sa, Pili- sa Pilipinas. No? So, dahil buhay pa si Imelda, I think we can, we can take a pause on our discussion dito and let's wait and see kung ano pa yung mangyayari sa political career ni Imelda Marcos kung meron pa mang uh, natitira. No? So, Imelda, 
definitely was a shaker and shaper nung martial law. Makikita natin sa buhay ni Imelda not only how she was able to shape and shake martial law, but even after it was brought down and how uh, her life no was able to continue to impact our conversations about the regime hanggang sa kasalukuyan. Kung interested ang ating mga listeners for more insights about Imelda, I think magandang mapanood nila yung 2019 documentary film na The Kingmaker. No? So, I hope napanood nyo naman to, no? Yes, okay nga yan kasi marami dyang first-person account si Imelda. So, makikita natin again yung kanyang personal narrative at insights about her life and political career. Mayroon ring biography na sinulat si Carmen Pedrosa na Pil, uh, ang title doon ay The Rise and Fall of Imelda Marcos. At syempre, yung nabanggit na natin kanina na book ni Mijares or Primitivo Mijares na The, the Conjugal Dictatorship. Yeah, no? So, okay, I think we can end this episode on those uh, examples of materials that our listeners can consume about Imelda Marcos. No, So, thank you for listening to our episode today. Kung episode natin today talked about someone who had a lavish life during martial law, next week, we will talk about someone who chose to live uh, a comfortable life, no? iwan yung kanyang marangyang buhay, to pursue the life of struggle and continue the fight against the dictatorship. At abangan natin yung talakayan na yan. Continue lang sa pag-follow ng ating social media pages sa Facebook, IG, Twitter, Threads, at LinkedIn. Also, our website, podcast.org, and our YouTube channel, Podcast TV. So please help us reach 2,000 subscribers. Tama. So yan ang ating next goal, 2,000 subscribers sa YouTube. So muli, maraming salamat, and as always, have a good day. Bye!